Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer. And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And with us today is our first ever couple <laughs> as our special guests, Shane <laughs> and Alicia O'Neill. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Hey. <laughs> Shane and I met at NYU where I was working and he was getting his master's degree. And yep. I met Alicia then too, because you guys yeah. were, yep. were both in New York then. But I mostly saw Shane, you know, day yeah, in, well, day out. Well, she wasn't living there yet. No. She didn't move there until after I graduated because she was in grad school at the time in Ohio. Yeah. Ah, so okay. She came to visit a lot. So you would have met her several times. I did indeed. <laughs> yep. And now you guys are back in Ohio, right? Is that where you're joining us from today? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Suburb of Cleveland. Nice. nice. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Could you each tell us about your families growing up and then the family that you created together? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you want to go first? Sure. So, oh, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, so, my family, let's see, I am the oldest of five. Wow. And yeah, there's a pretty big gap between myself and my youngest brother. There's 12 years. So, I mean, you know, there was a time when I was a senior in high school and he was a kindergartner. Wow. So family life was was pretty different for, for each of us siblings. Um, we all kind of had a different experience, but r- relatively the same, like, you know, surroundings. We all grew up on, um, my family lived in the same home for the most part of my childhood compared to like my siblings and they still live there now. Um, so kind of out in the country and my parents were self-employed. So they ran a, a, and they still do, they run a septic business. So, um, we're all kind of involved in the family company. So that was an interesting dynamic too. And, um, let's see, I don't know what else to say about my family. It was a busy one. It was a fun one and lively, as you can imagine, five kids and, you know, we all were busy and it was, it was a good childhood. I will say. I will add to that because she came from a family of five for so many years. Mm. She would tell me that she wanted to have five children Oh wow! (laughs) until we had a child and then she changed her tune. (laughs) Very true. Oh my goodness. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and my family, so I'm also the oldest. I'm only one of three though. I have two younger sisters and we're each spaced three years apart and had a, a similar, I mean, at least grew up in similar surroundings to Alicia. Our families, our parents actually live about three minutes apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, so we both grew up like out in the country. Mm-hmm. And that was probably part of the reason why we didn't stay in New York <laughs> for very long. Like <laughs> we were used to open air and green space and wasn't, yeah. weren't getting a lot of that. No. Um, but Did you guys know each other as kids? No. So we went to the same high school, Mm -hmm. but I didn't move to that school district until eighth grade. And she's a year younger than me. So we were in the same high school for a number of years and never really spoke to each other. Wow. We were even in choir together and never spoke to each other. (laughs) Wow. Until my senior year, her junior year, we were cast opposite each other in Oklahoma. And oh my was, god, that's and that, so that cute. That was the first time we spoke together. <laughs> oh. And the rest is history. Yeah. And did you start dating then? 
Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you are high school sweethearts. We are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and were you were you Curly and Lori? We were no. Will and Ado. Oh, okay. That's yeah. better actually. Yeah. It is, I think so. <laughs> right. But um yeah. but all of our family still well, aside, her sister lives in California, but otherwise everyone else still lives within 15 or 20 minutes of where we are now. Mm-hmm. So we're all still really close and see see them all the time. Yeah. Not quite as often as the Bravermans. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> but, how Braverman-esque, but you guys have your own friends. We do. Yes. <laughs> the Bravermans Okay, stuff. so there, right. there the similarities end. Yeah. Right. I, I think I heard you talk about this in a previous episode of the podcast, but like we bring this up all the time watching the show where we're like, how often are they together? Like <laughs> constantly. Like, yes. like it's it happens so frequently, like that the siblings like just showing up at another sibling's house yeah. is like a complete non-event. Like no one even <laughs> questions it. Like I, I don't know. I even wanted to before we did this episode today, like look up like the geography of Berkeley and like <laughs> like how close can they all possibly live together? Like I don't know. Our our parents are 15 minutes away, but we don't. That's still 15 minutes. Right. They're they're over there like they live down the street from each other all the time. Yeah, I'm shocked <laughs> that I haven't done that. Um. <laughs> I was like, you're really speaking Caleb's language right now. You are because that that sounds like something I would do. One thing I can sort of relate to that is I've read lots of places online. I've never been to Berkeley. I've like driven through the Bay Area, but I've never mm-hmm. gone to the East Bay and or spent any time in Berkeley. And lots of people who are from there online will say that Zeke and Camille's house is just like impossible. Like you would never find it in Berkeley. Right? Oh. They said just a, a huge house surrounded by tons of land with no. I was going like, to say it feels yeah. like it's out in the country. Yeah. So I do wonder if if that could, would be their justification for them having that house. It's like, oh, well, mm-hmm. they live on like the outskirts of Berkeley. Right. But if that's the case, then their kids are showing up there all the time. What kind of drive is that? Exactly. (laughs) We ask the hard-hitting question. We do. The people need to know. (laughs) Well, and what's your um, what's your family like these days? The family you share. Oh, right. That's important too. I suppose. Yes. So we have two children. We have Riley, who's five, Mm -hmm. and Emmett, who is two, and they're pretty awesome (laughs) they're they're a handful but they they crack us up and they keep us on our toes and they have a beautiful relationship I mean I am thankful for that like they they're best friends I mean sure maybe maybe a lot of siblings are like that but I don't know when I look at them I'm like oh you guys are gonna be best friends forever Uh. well and what is your history with the show parenthood so we watched Parenthood when it first aired, right? What well, year was that? 2010, right? 20, yeah. Yeah. We have a history of Alicia starting a show. Oh, yeah. And then at first, <laughs> I'll pretend like I'm not interested and like walk through the room and make some snarky comments about whatever's going on. And then next thing I know, I'm like walking through the room again. But this time I sit down and I watch for 10 minutes and I make her explain everything that happened that I missed. And before you know it, I'm more involved in the show than she is. Yeah. So that happened with our first watch through parenthood. Yes, totally. I totally forgot that. It's also happening now. She's rewatching Grey's Anatomy and the same thing is happening. He's getting sucked in slowly. But, um, but yeah, we did watch it. She started it first. Um, so, so actually as we were rewatching it now, I think maybe the first, 
three or four episodes. I don't know if I ever saw. Oh, wow. But after that point, we we watched it as it aired. Yeah. We'd been wanting to rewatch it. And then you guys started this podcast and it was like yeah. the perfect opportunity Yay. to start a rewatch. Oh my gosh, it was. Win-win. Awesome. I love it. It's a much different experience watching Parenthood now, now that we have our own kids. Mm-hmm. When, you know, before when we watched it, it was just kind of like, I don't know. I love kind of like a good feel good show. And for the most part, it really is, right? But now it's relatable on a whole nother level because (laughs) we get it. We get so much of it. So I love it. Well, today we are discussing Parenthood Season 2, Episode 4, Date Night. It was written by David Hudgens, directed by Adam Bernstein, and originally aired on October 5th, 2010. And here is the NBC synopsis. Christina learns some alarming statistics about the divorce rate of parents living with autistic children and as a result schedules a date night with Adam to keep their marriage alive. Meanwhile, Sarah sees Drew with a girl and offers him unsolicited love advice. Patty runs for student council president and enlists her family's help with her campaign. Crosby's behavior gets the best of him and he learns an important lesson about being a father. (laughs) Well, I think the first order of business in this episode is... Gilmore Girls Comeback Alert! Well, that's not an actual thing that we do. We have a Friday Night Lights Alert because there are so yeah. many cast members from Friday Night Lights on the show. But right. I just couldn't pass up the opportunity because in this episode, Holly, who is Drew's lab partner, is played by Vanessa Morano who was April on one of my favorite shows, Gilmore Girls, and Francesca on one of my other favorite shows, The Comeback. And it's funny, on Gilmore Girls, she was so good at science. Yeah. Really? (laughs) Yeah. That's... I just kept writing in my notes. I'm like, I don't believe that April Nardini isn't good at science. There's no way she had a D. So anyway. That, that was completely over our heads. Yeah. We, I, you've never watched that, right? No. I've never seen it. Oh, man. Well, you know, if you need another show after yep. this yeah. one, I'm just saying. Well, is that where we're starting? We're diving into that one? I, I think let's start there because okay. see, when I compile these clips, I give each little clip a name so I can find it quickly. And I love this one I called Sarah Helping. Hey, how's it going? Uh, good. We think we figured out my tosis. Well, I hope there's a cure for that. (laughs) Do you need anything? Do do you want some lemonade or, um, cookies or... Yeah, if this were like 1950, (laughs) thanks. Well, perhaps I'll bring you a martini and some pot. (laughs) I'm just kidding. You should not do drugs or drink. Uh, stay in school. Don't cut your own bangs. These are just a few of my mottos. Okay, fine. I'll uh, see you later. She's like a pain in the ass. I don't know. It's okay. She's actually kind of funny. Funny? Yeah. She is funny. What's Drew's problem? (laughs) He should be so glad that's his mom. I say that in this scene. In all the subsequent scenes, I take it back. You're kind of right. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought it was so funny. And maybe Sarah just felt emboldened because her flirting is like on fleek in this episode. Oh, yes. because yeah. she's hitting it off with Forklift Mike. Although <laughs> her interaction with Forklift Mike, I wrote down, does Sarah have to pee? What's with her crazy like leg action? She keeps like crossing her legs. 
Yes, I noticed oh, I didn't that notice too. That. I was like, what is she doing? She yeah, looks she was... like like schoolgirl awkward. I don't know. What's she was just giddy. She it reminded giddy. me of this flirting expert character that Kristen Wiig would play on SNL, where she's just like <laughs> doing like clumsy physical stuff. I really wish that this were a visual podcast right now. Yeah. And everyone could see what Caleb was just doing. It was like wiggling. And then he'd be like, Seth Myers would be like, Are you flirting? And she'd go, No, I'm not. <laughs> yes. Anyway, um, if it was flirting, I wouldn't just remind her that she's almost 40. And right. yeah. it's not coquettish. Tone it anymore. down. It's embarrassing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think when they're in the warehouse and she just comes out of left field and just plants one on him, that like that was my my thought. It was like, number one, you're in the workplace. And number two, what are you like 39, 38 at this point? Like <laughs> yeah. seemed a bit a bit out of left field. Yeah, a little strong. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up because I wondered if that kiss was totally inappropriate. Um well, Forklift Mike called it completely awesome. And so I call that a success. And yeah, they're at work, but they're at work in like a dark, you know, like warehouse where like who's watching? The boss Gordon is clearly off at some conference. We find out later from Adam, like who cares? Make out. I don't know. <laughs> okay. You convinced me. Yeah. <laughs> if Forklift I don't Mike kiss approves. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But it was a who risk. Who are we to judge? It, yeah. <laughs> it was. Well, and maybe it runs in the family because Drew eventually does the same thing, even though... Because well, Sarah told him to, because it worked so well for her. You know, I think she likes you. No, I doubt that. Oh, okay. Well, I think you like her, too. Is it embarrassing? I'm not embarrassed. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I got an A in science last year, and she got a D. So she's obviously just trying to get a good grade. I don't think so. You know, girls like it when a guy makes the first move. This is a really weird conversation. Yeah, I'm serious, honey. The way she talks to you and, you know, touches you unnecessarily, laughs at all your jokes, not that they're not funny. Ooh, science. You know so much about science. She likes you. Don't be afraid to act on it in a, you know, this is reasonable way. too weird. This is the weirdest conversation we've ever had. Honey, look at you. You're amazing. Who could not love you? Huh? Possibly. I ask you, who? Um, you know what else girls like? Consent. I'm just... <laughs> right. I'm just throwing it out there. <gasps> oh, oh, man. Oh. Yeah. I thought it was just so nice to have Drew be a part of a story, especially one that doesn't involve masturbating. Yes. And, and Sarah was being really sweet, but I don't know if she was being very effective. But I'm not sure this is what the scene was about, but it did make me realize that parenting Amber is its own kind of challenge for her. But at least she can relate to Amber a lot. Oh, yeah. And in mm -hmm. so many ways, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. Parenting Drew would be a completely different and and like probably greater challenge for her. Right. Exactly. Like like they talk about later in the episode, right? Like she's trying to be dad essentially without mm. coming out and saying it, but she she has to take on that role and the poor kid is like, "No, you're not. You're just not cutting it. Sorry, you are mom. You're not dad, you know?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yet it, she can't just not try at all right she has to still parent him but i think his point is valid too yep. what did you guys think it's of the tough. advice that 
she gave him. Did did you see the writing on the wall that that girl was not into him? And you were like, uh oh, this is bad advice. Or did you also think she was into him? I don't necessarily think I could tell that she wasn't into him. Like the thing that I kept hanging on to in that whole scene was Drew just feeling weird and embarrassed about his mom talking to him Aww. about this because I never had a conversation even remotely like that with my mom. And I <laughs> oh, guarantee no. you, I would have been just as uncomfortable as Drew was. <laughs> so for me, that was that was the overarching um Oh yeah. I don't know. Now, feeling did you of ever the have scene. a conversation like that with your dad? No. And maybe that's just <laughs> like that. I was gonna say that next too, where she like, you know, she said she's trying to be mom and dad. And I'm just like, well, I never had that conversations like that with either of my parents. So apparently that's just, I don't know, my family dynamic. We didn't just openly talk about like who we liked at school or or stuff like that. I don't know. Oh, do you guys have boundaries? <laughs> they don't have those on the show. Like like friends outside of the family. That's right. something the Bravermans don't have. Right. They yeah. don't. Yes. Well, I thought I thought that she liked him and frankly, I still kind of think that even at the end of the episode maybe she liked him, but yeah. he he just made such a drastic move that it was like, "Oh, I wasn't ready to go the there." The kiss came out of nowhere. I was yeah. like <laughs> flirting and I want you to flirt back or yeah. I felt so bad for Drew because I mean, points for courage, and yep. it's, you know, he didn't know any better, but it just made me wish when Sarah talked to him earlier, because she did say, make a move, but, you know, within reason. Maybe a more subtle move. Maybe she could have <laughs> expanded upon that a little, and like, here's what I mean by make a move, like, tell her you like her, <laughs> or, or like, give her a compliment or something, mm -hmm. don't kiss her out of nowhere right when she's not even looking this in your direction yeah no he like has to contort yeah. himself yeah, yeah. poor kid i don't know i don't know well and i guess i just kept thinking just from a girl's perspective people have thought i've been flirty before when i was just trying to be friendly or nice i guess i don't touch people's arms constantly or whatever but I smile I wave I you know I, I I'm kind of sunny and sometimes yeah. I think that can maybe be misconstrued as flirty so sure. I, I felt bad for her too I was like maybe she just thinks we're buds we're hanging out doing science and I'm like hey pal like tapping you on the shoulder a few times and then you just whoa make out with me out of nowhere totally. and, yes yeah. I get that and she could just be a touchy-feely kind of girl right yeah. like some people just are a little bit more physical and then he was like oh you want to touch my arm okay well I'm just gonna dive in <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is I think if Sarah hadn't said anything there's no way he would have done that and oh, so totally. then, then I'm like what could have been uh, either a friendship or maybe something more eventually but they'll never talk to each other again now right. I feel like <laughs> yeah well, Alicia, you already referenced it, but I want to just play this scene with Drew and Sarah. Mom, what? Well, talk to me, okay? No, Don't just I... leave. Look. What's wrong? Everything, okay, Mom? Your advice, Holly, she... I tried to kiss her, okay, and she totally rejected me. Now she hates me. Oh, honey, I'm sorry. Look, I don't care, Mom, if you're sorry, honestly, because... Like, I've told you, I don't want your advice. I don't know how many times I've told you that, and you just keep telling me things, and I don't know what to do with it. Well, I'm your mother. I was trying to help. Look, I don't care if you're trying to help, okay? You know, you messed this up. What I need is my dad, and you screwed that up for me. I don't need your help, okay? What Ouch. I wonder about that, 
when I saw it. And I honestly don't remember like how much more, if any more backstory we get about this, but like, I don't know. How old is Drew? Is he a, a sophomore? Maybe I was thinking freshman? like 14 or 15. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. He goes, yeah, he's at least in high school because he yeah. would go to the same school. Yeah, I'm just curious about like why he says that Sarah messed that up for him. Like, isn't he old enough yet to realize that his dad kind of wasn't the best dad and Sarah taking them away was in their interest? I mean, to me, it sounds like he's blaming her for all of that. But his dad doesn't seem so great. Yeah, that's true. Although I think he he's probably just emotional in the moment because mm-hmm. right. later on he does admit that he knows that's not the case. I know it wasn't your fault dad left. I, I shouldn't have said that. That's okay, sweetheart. I miss him sometimes too. He didn't literally say the words I'm sorry, but it totally felt like an apology to me. Mm-hmm. And I love that yeah. she just accepted it. She didn't, mm-hmm. she kind of just still allowed him to feel what he was feeling. And then she shared her own feelings with him mm-hmm. too. Oh my gosh. That whole, that whole scene got me as a mom. I was like, oh, she, she like exactly like you said, she's allowing herself to be, you know, in this vulnerable place and show her emotion. And then, but still sticking up for her kid, like here, mm. what, what I said, you know, maybe it wasn't the right thing, but I tried and sorry, it didn't feel right to you. You know, I just was trying to be a mom, you know, and then letting him be angry at that and moving on because that's what moms have to do. So that was, that was a good moment, I thought. There are so many times speaking to what Alicia said earlier about how watching this show now with kids, like <laughs> things ring a little differently than the last time we watched them. There are so many like teenage angst moments in this show when Alicia will just look at me and go, I I am not <laughs> oh, no. looking forward to this at all. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know it's coming. I yeah. literally yeah. say the phrase, I do not want teenagers. But it's just they're they're terrifying. And this show portrays it in such a real way. And I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. Scary possibilities. I'm so shocked having been doing this podcast and hearing people talk about their teen years or uh, you know what it's like to be a teenager I have real difficulty I think putting myself back in that frame of mind I think I've just forgotten because like (laughs) when I watched that Drew scene where he yelled at Sarah at first when he said I what I need's my dad I was just wondering like well what good's that going to do you I mean, I was sort of like, yeah, I never had a conversation like that with my mom or my dad. Yeah. It's not like, oh, well, dad teaches you how to hit on girls and then everything's <laughs> just easy peasy. It's like, no. But but then I realized well, I'm watching this as this like cool, calm, outside observer. That's not how Drew is approaching this situation. He's right hey. in the middle of it and yeah. he's acting emotionally. And And when he's saying, I need my dad, what he's really saying is, I want my dad. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah, that's totally understandable. And I liked in that scene that Sarah, for once, didn't blow up at someone criticizing her. Right. Yeah. I mean, she did say, "I'm your mother; it's my job." But beyond that, mm-hmm. she kind of just took it. And I, I, I thought it was good. It's like, yeah, he he gets to blow up. I also this was such a tangent to what was actually going on in the scene, but I loved that 
Sarah was clearly like in such a great mood that morning, I think because her date the night before had gone really well. Mm-hmm. And she probably thought it was going to be a great day. And then oh. just bam, like that. <laughs> I'm sure she'll be thinking about Drew and what a terrible mother she is oh. all day long. And that feels so real to me, how how bad news can just swoop in mm. unexpectedly oh, yeah. and just dominate True. everything else that's going oh, yeah. on in your life. Yeah. Real quick before we move on, I did want to say it's kind of funny, like that you two are saying like, oh my gosh, teenagers, what will we do? (laughs) And I absolutely never get baby fever, which I think probably most women my age get, but I'm very happy with my decision not to have kids. The only time I ever question it is I love my students so much. I'm a high school teacher. And so teenagers are the only thing that ever make me want to have kids. (laughs) So I just wanted to throw that out there that it's kind of funny. Like I... I love teenagers and I think because I'm around them all the time, Mm -hmm. I constantly remember what it was like to be a teenager. I think about it far more than I think I would if I had any other profession. So I just think it's funny. I kind of had the opposite reaction of all of you. Oh my (laughs) gosh. Yes. Just visualizing our kids as teenagers and thinking about like the mm-hmm. attitude that Riley and Emmett can already have, <laughs> like like adding hormones to that, it's pretty terrible. Yeah, <laughs> I can't see that. And yeah. Well, Melissa, fellow Gilmore Girls viewer, did you think that Sarah's story about getting stood up at the dance felt Lorelai-ish? I think it made me think of that monologue on the mountaintop when she calls him. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I didn't at the time, but now that you say it, I, I can Yeah, totally. I also felt like the story, while it was a nice story and like well delivered, I don't know, after Drew mentions his dad, to me, it seemed like he wasn't actually upset all that much about Holly, that the real issue was his dad. And so for her to give him this whole speech about how like, there'll be other girls I just sort of felt like you're missing the point now, aren't you? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's what he's upset about now. But, I, you know, he's a teenage boy. It's probably both. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. <laughs> we Among have layers. other things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, on to other things in the episode. Nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I felt so bad for poor Joel. And yet I don't have a hobby either. I, if someone said, you know, like, what, what's your hobby? No, reading. Well, I, I think the thing that got me hobby. is yeah, is that's it? a hobby. Yes. Okay. You would so bring your books. I'll and you would take, talk about yeah, them. Take a shelf of books in. Do it. Would do any of you have hobbies? Well, <laughs> or what are they? I guess. Here's the funny thing: is three of the hobbies that got highlighted in this episode, I have done at some point in my life. So mm. ceramic Joel, courses. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Joel's trying to learn magic tricks. Like me and my cousin used to do magic shows in high school, as nerdy yes. as that sounds. Yep. And then um, the Model Rockets also did that um, growing up. I still have them in my parents' basement, I think. And I think that was a point when Riley came in to watch some of the episode with us. Yeah. And I was like, hey, I have some of those over at Papa's house. We should, <laughs> we should set them off. And then Aww. ultimately, Joel brings in like woodworking stuff. And I do that now. So yep. I'm like, wow. this this. I need to go to hobby day at school. Right. <laughs> You'll kill. Yeah. 
Yeah. And then it was relatable to me on the total opposite end of the spectrum. I, I was like, oh, wait, if I ever had to go to hobby day, I would be the one trying to invent a hobby because mm. I, Shane is always ragging on me. Like you need a hobby. Yeah, I've literally <laughs> said that to her. Like you yes. need a hobby. <laughs> I am just, I'm busy mom. I got two little kids. I work full time, try to take care of the house. Like who has a time for a hobby? Come on now, try to exercise. Maybe we could call maybe yoga, maybe running a hobby, but I rarely get to do those. So. Oh. Yeah. But they're, they're good. Like I, no, I always try to get her to pick up a hobby because it's just like, if you're doing a hobby, it's really just boils down to having some me time. Yeah. And yeah. because yeah. of all the things you just said about all the responsibilities of being a mom, yeah, that's exactly why she should make time <laughs> for a hobby. It's time to like de-stress and not think about anything else. That storyline really got me. I know it was kind of a small one, but it's something I have some guilt about sometimes. Just the fact that I don't have kids my time is my time. And I ha so many of my friends have young kids and they're always telling me how they'll sometimes feel like they've lost their identity, their sense of self, you know, and, and that seems so terrifying to me. I don't know how I would cope with that, I guess. And so watching Joel go through that, I thought, wow, well, this is universal, you know, and, mm -hmm. and then I thought, Maybe it's not fair to just say that the stay-at-home parent is the one who loses a sense of self. Because I'm like, does Julia have a hobby? She has work. Right. You know, like, I'm, I'm like, is that the same thing as a hobby? I, I, I wasn't sure, but I thought Julia doesn't. Swimming. I was all CIF. Yeah. 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 Or owning Raquel. She doesn't need work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. And then some of my hobbies, I'm like, does that even count as a hobby? Like, I every night... I have a glass of wine and I watch TV and I cherish that time. That's my me time. But I'm like, that's a lame hobby. Like, you know, first graders would like it. Yeah. yeah I'd be like, hey, everyone. I, I guess I call poetry my hobby. But then sometimes I'm like, isn't that downplaying it? Like, that's my passion. That's my unpaid second job. Um, but I guess it's also my hobby. I don't know. Well, don't and know. you've, you've earned money from poetry before. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not your living, but it's not, <laughs> no, <laughs> you're not an amateur poet. You're paid. That's right. I'm the big time. No, <laughs> but no, I, I see what you mean. But then I think, yeah, what, what constitutes a hobby? Can TV be a right. hobby? Can mm. something that you like have gotten paid at doing? Cause Caleb, I mean, I guess you wouldn't call piano your hobby cause that's your livelihood. Um, and your passion. Well, now it's my hobby. No, it's all <laughs> so sad. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Yeah, it is funny though. It does highlight, like I remember once chatting with someone on a dating site and we were talking about what we did like for work. And then they asked me, um, what do you do for fun? And I wrote work <laughs> because I, my life used to revolve around work and in that moment I felt so bad it was like suddenly I couldn't think about dating I had had this like personal epiphany that I had no balance in my life at all <laughs> and uh so yeah maybe I do need a hobby because I do think it's important to care about something other than the thing that makes you money but when you love what you do yeah I was just gonna say it does that, make like, it a yeah. little trickier Hey, I think we have a hobby because we have this podcast. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we have one. <laughs> it's so meta. We would go to hobby day at Joel's school and talk about doing a podcast about Joel and his <laughs> extended family. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway. Can I ask a random trivial question about Please. Joel? Yeah. Yeah. Is this the first time we learn his last name is Graham? Wow. When did we? No, learn? we knew that uh, at some point. I, mean, I think cert- it might be the episode with Julia getting the parking space. Yeah. I think it was like mm. Braverman Graham is on the parking oh, space. Okay. okay. Yes. I didn't pick up on that. Because we heard them say Mr. Graham. And I was like, oh, Mr. Graham. I don't <laughs> I don't remember Joel Graham. Hmm. But we know Julia is Braverman. But yeah, we hadn't remember. We hadn't heard that I before. wouldn't if we weren't doing a podcast and taking notes <laughs> there's no I way mean, I'd we even, I don't know if you heard this podcast episode where we saw his parents names on their like family contact sheet and we noticed that their area code is the East Bay so his parents apparently live nearby why don't and, we ever meet them oh, and, that, and that the Braverman grandparents are called grandma and grandpa and Joel's are grandma and grandpa huh. with, with the D. With the I mean, D. too much. Because he's apparently a little stodgier than the I think free-spirited so. <laughs> Bravermans. That's funny. So we're noticing all kinds of crap is what we're saying. We are like <laughs> right. pausing. We are taking notes. It is you crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here's Joel's little, I call, I call this clip. Joel's identity crisis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to make a good impression, don't you? Mm-hmm. So yeah, what is the problem? That would do it. Blowing up the school. Uh, problem is, I don't, I don't know anything about this stuff. I do. No. I'll show you. No, no, it's not. That's not the point, Zeke. It's at the. I don't, I don't have a hobby because I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a life. No. What the hell are you talking about? I, my whole life is is Sydney, Zeke. I mean, I, I, I wake her up, I get her ready for school, I take her, and then I do laundry, and then I pick her up from school. It's dinner, bath, bedtime, and then wake up the next morning, I do it all over again. It's just, that's, that's my job, you know? And now, apparently, my job is to be the cool dad with a cool hobby to impress all her friends. So, I mean, what am I going to do? I'm going to show them how to use fabric softener properly? Chill. I mean, really. These kids are kindergartners, all right? You could light your own fart and they'd think you were Einstein. I mean, come on. Now, I don't know if I'm taking this too seriously, but I felt like Joel was articulating almost exactly what Camille's problem was at the end of the first season Mm. when she said she felt like she lost herself and then Zeke couldn't see her either, and that's why he did what he did. And like, mm. also articulating a little bit what Christina vented in that one episode to Gabby, where she's just like worried all the time. She's just occupied. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but it was interesting to hear it come from a man, and it made me wonder if are we like culturally more sympathetic to these words coming from a man than a woman? If a woman were expressing them might we be inclined to be like, well, that's your job. That's Hmm. your role. But if a man says it, it's like, oh, poor guy. Yeah, you need to take care of that. Hmm. I I felt, I didn't feel that way because Zeke didn't take him seriously. (laughs) That's a very good point. It feels like Zeke. Right, that was very Zeke. No, and I, I didn't feel that way either. I didn't really feel bad for him because I honestly was like, well, isn't this just really predictable? We know he's going to end up doing something with woodworking. 
Like we know <laughs> that that is where. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I totally. I, I forgot that's what he brings I in. He's totally reflecting back on like the dresser or the desk that he was just making for Sarah. I'm like, yeah, Hello, they did make a point to a show hobby. that earlier. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, of course this is your hobby. Yeah, like, you know she ain't paying him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she is not. That constitutes hobby. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and he and they like made a point to show how much he really he was very detailed with that and like seemed to enjoy it. So I was like, of course, this is your hobby. Like, come on, mm. Joel, what are you, what are you talking about? But, but I think it does go back to more like what Caleb is saying. It's just kind of like this identity crisis of like being overwhelmed that all he feels like all he's doing is raising Sydney and taking care of the household and just thinking, what about me time? That's kind of what, what I got out of it. He's, he doesn't feel like he has time for himself and yeah, I don't know. Like my thought is, well, somebody's got to do it. Julie is working, you know, there's got to be somebody that's raising the baby and taking care of the house. So that's Joel for now. Yeah. And you know, I was like, we both still work full time. So mm-hmm. we have that chunk of the day where we're not the ones, you know, directly responsible for our kids at, at that time, whether mm-hmm. they're with grandparents or daycare or what have you. So even that being the case, like what Joel's saying about his job is getting up with the kids or with Sydney, getting her ready for school, then doing laundry, and then all of the nighttime responsibilities that come along with that. Like that's all he does. And with us, even, you know, having work as, you know, another outlet, that routine is still really easy to lose yourself in. Like, mm. you know, every night it's like okay dinner's done we got to do the dishes we got to do bath we got to get the kids ready and the next day whether it's a work day or the weekend it's going to be the same thing Mm -hmm. so so like what he's saying is like very true and for someone like him who he's the stay-at-home dad and that's all he has like I'm sure it would be very easy to like to get lost like that and you know like going back to hobbies like when you have kids like you know like I mentioned, I'm, I do woodworking now because I really decided to lean into that dad stereotype. Um, <laughs> but like, if I want to do that, I'm doing it. Like sometimes I'll be out at the garage at like 1130 at night mm-hmm. because there's no other time to do it. I have to do it after the kids are asleep. So, yeah. you know, I will say about Joel though, like with that scene and the previous episode or whenever it was when he's helping Zeke fix the roof, like <laughs> I really enjoy like seeing him like get worked up because so many episodes I'll say to Alicia, like, is this the most reserved man on TV? Like, <laughs> I feel like he's whispering all of his lines sometimes. Right. He's so yeah. low key. Yeah. So yeah. Seeing him get fired up is like, yes, get it, Joel. Like, get excited. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. yeah. Well, Alicia totally called it with the wood hobby. Let me ask you this. Do you guys like wood? And Melissa, do you want to take this? <laughs> I, I just, I've been re-watching Fuller House. Please don't judge. Um, oh, wait, 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 wait. Are you going to do a Mr. Woodchuck reference right now? <laughs> yes. Are they made of wood? <laughs> I just okay. Didn't not hear it i'm like the pause is identical <laughs> that is one of the only impressions i do mr Woodshot. oh you have please, to you have to do it like i'll say it around the house randomly and of yes. course like 
Riley is, I don't think she's ever seen an episode of Full House. So she just is not impressed at all. And Alicia's heard it a million times. Yeah. So she hasn't been impressed by it for years. I don't, I don't know if I can do it right now. I'm, I'm just too excited that you brought that up. <laughs> um, if you want to do it anytime this episode, that would just... Just, just pepper it in throughout the episode? Yeah, yeah. He can do it as a little PS at the end, he, you know, just, just when you feel ready. <laughs> let us know oh my gosh that's so funny uh, but yeah no it, it made me laugh really hard because you know joel could not be the like more opposite from joey gladstone right <laughs> so reserved but. melissa in your defense i want to say you're not re-watching fuller house oh yeah you're just you're right. watching it. i'm just watching it i'll never watch it again i feel like once will be enough for you <laughs> once will be yeah um quick tangent on that um, just the pandemic and emotions and everything. And I wanted to watch something dumb and light. And um, I, Caleb had seen Fuller House and like a bunch of friends had. And they're like, it's problematic as hell and really troubling in some ways. <laughs> but it's nostalgic fun. And I'm like, oh, yeah. okay. So I watched the pilot. And th I'm so like worked up about <laughs> just the, the pandemic and I had just found out that I had to go to hybrid and I wasn't ready to be back around people and I was just watching that pilot and it had like the theme song I was sobbing like, just <laughs> watching this <laughs> dumb show and I was just <laughs> sobbing it was the most ridiculous reaction and then I have not been able to stop watching it so I might have to watch it yeah. like full house me and my sisters watched every episode of full house probably 10 times each growing up yeah. and I've seen a few episodes of fuller house but I've never like actually tried to watch it. Right. It's not good, but <laughs> but, but neither was Full House. So really, yeah, neither was Full House. I just can't stop. So anything yeah. that brings me that's comfort not right why now, you watch it. Yeah. Does Mr. <laughs> so. Woodchuck come back? Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, he does. Yeah, basically every time Dave Coulier guest stars, he just brings that damn puppet in. Oh out, my so. man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, here's speaking of tangents, I noticed that Sydney's teacher is fat. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> this no. sounds, I don't mean that judgmentally. I mean it as I don't think that there has been another character on screen in this series who mm. is like of size, I guess. That's is that the PC way to say it? Now, I don't think this is at all the same issue of representation as like race or something like that. Not no, at all. But but, but I, I did notice that mm -hmm. it's like, I mean, unless you're going to count Jim or like Phil mm -hmm. Lessing, mm -hmm. but I don't think so. They're just not like TV Super actor, fit. Right. Fit, you know? Right. And I just thought, yes, some people in the world are, I mean, a lot of people in the world mm -hmm. are not super thin. And her teacher was like, one seemed like a wonderful teacher with a great personality and, you mm -hmm. know, not the butt of any joke. And yeah. she just happened to be, the size that she was. I was like, nice, nice to see that. Yeah. yeah. That's Good a great point. thing to Good mention. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't like, that's not very stereotypical kindergarten teacher. Yeah. If we're going to look at her, like normally stare, I feel like a TV kindergarten teacher is like a, like a 25 year old white woman. Right. <laughs> Who's super bubbly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's interesting. Yeah. And another thing I noticed you know, we've seen Julia a couple times this season dropping Sydney off inside the school. But in season one, there was a whole episode devoted to her dropping her the off, drop -off curbside. Yes. Yeah. 
Hello. She paid $2,500 for that parking space. She's never using it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe maybe that's where she's parking when she... Right. Wait, maybe you just cracked it, Melissa. Is the reason (laughs) she's not doing curbside because she has a parking space all to herself. So she stops, parks, and takes Sydney out and walks her in. Or maybe she leaves that space that she earned empty just so Raquel has to see it empty, <laughs> not being used every day. Yeah. And she burns Raquel in effigy in the parking space. <laughs> Probably not that. Probably um, not that. Uh, last thing in the hobby storyline for me, would you want to launch a rocket at night? No, no. And let me just say. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to see it, right? As one who used to launch rockets, let me tell you, I would have never done it at night. They would never get it back. Like Zeke's all proud of his uh, double parachute system that's going to bring it back. Who cares if you're not going to see it? Let it fall to yeah. the earth. You're not going to get it back either way. Oh, I didn't even think of that. I didn't just ruined the whole episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they just really wanted that shot of it floating over Adam and right. Christina sitting on their car at the end. Yeah. Okay, that made me wonder. Oh my I gosh. Was like, See, like, I didn't even connect that that's what that was. Really? I'm like, yes. so, so, I'm so embarrassed. I was like, is someone flying a kite? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I got it, but I was confused because didn't they not go to Zeke's? They got the cake and they missed right. their turn on purpose, yeah. so they're parked somewhere random. So how far did that parachute go? And here like, we go back oh. to the geography of Berkeley. Uh, how yes. how condensed is everything? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yes. And whose driveway are they sitting in? Yeah, they, I thought that was weird too. <laughs> like, why are they just eating cake randomly in front of someone's house? <laughs> and are they That's sitting on the car? Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. that reminds me of one of my favorite Judge Judy's ever. <laughs> Where a woman sat on someone's sat on someone's car and then like dented it <laughs> and the person was suing the other person and Judge Judy just couldn't believe she had never heard of this. And she said, "How old are you? And you should know better than to sit on the hood of someone's car." Oh my. God. Okay, I'm going to take a little poll here of our of our gallery and see how many of you regularly, regularly sit on other people's cars. And then she says to the defendant, turn around, not one, not one. And she says, listen, you're a very pretty woman and you have a very nice shape. You're not twiggy. And when you put your weight on metal, it it might bend the metal. Now, if you want to sit on your own car, go ahead. But you don't do that on someone else's car. And the girl goes, my car was in the shop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but Adam and Christina are on their own car, right? They're just in somebody else's driveway. True. And what would Judge Judy say about that? That's true. They are eating someone else's car. Although they probably paid for it. Yeah. And they very kindly, I noticed, got the part of the cake that didn't have Hattie's name or like the roses and decorations. So they ate the most considerate part of the stolen Mm -hmm. cake that they could. (laughs) That they could have. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, let's go. Let's move to Adam and Christina. Okay. First of all, this <laughs> 80% stat. Oh, yeah. Did you look that up? I looked it up because it, it is a real thing in terms mm-hmm. of it's a stat that people say mm-hmm. and that they might have heard. Mm-hmm. But according to an article I found on the Interactive Autism Network, 
studies about the divorce rates among couples with an autistic child vary widely, but mm. seem to indicate a rate roughly equivalent to couples without an autistic child. Mm. So they should take some comfort in the fact that that is a very contested statistic. Yeah. Well, I just kept thinking, what's, you know, what's the divorce rate just in regular circumstances? 50, 60? 50, like yeah. 50, It is 50. So I thought it's not as shocking when you take that into consideration, mm-hmm. you know, and, right. and I don't know. And I think they're just really illustrating the point. Well, maybe the show is not illustrating this, but the lessings are experiencing <laughs> what so many parents with a child with autism go through. I mean, wow. it's, oh, it can be so rough and so challenging for a married couple to, to get through that, to raise a child who's got autism. I've seen it a lot. And, uh, and it can be really rough, really trying on, on couples. So uh, it made sense to me. Like Shane said, you know, he knows like that, that's my background working with people with autism. He's like, is that true? And I said, well, I mean, I wouldn't doubt it. 80% sounds really high, but what, what they face sometimes is just a lot. So it, it made sense, sadly. Wow. Well, Alicia, you said you're you're a speech therapist now, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. you were telling us before we got on that you used to do basically exactly what Gabby does. Right. Yeah, exactly. I worked in homes and, and was an ABA tutor, and that's that's what her job is. And so doing applied behavior analysis with kids in their homes. So you're like part of the family. And when that happens, you can imagine like, just like Gabby sees a lot of what's really going on in the home. I saw a lot of what was really going on Mm. in some homes and um, it's not always pretty. It's, it's, it can be really rough and depending, especially on how severe, you know, the child's autism is that really can make a a big difference. But um, yeah, obviously even with Max, like Gabby's needed and, and Christina and Adam's perceptions of him and of his needs are, they're, they're different, right? We see how they have very different perspectives and then how it ultimately affects their relationship. Like it kind of makes sense. It really makes sense. You know, it's, it's tough and they're, they're stretched thin. I know at the beginning of this episode, we see like them looking at the calendar, their schedule and between all Max's appointments and, you know, their, their work and everything. It, they got a lot going on. So of course that's, it's straining on a couple you feel for them, you know? Yeah. Not to get too off topic, but honestly, we didn't know when we asked you to be a guest that you had this background mm. and <laughs> it's so great to have you. I mean, it's great to have you just for you. <laughs> but it's so nice to learn this too. I, I'd be interested to know your thoughts, even just like season one and then these these first few episodes. On the whole, how do you feel the show's representation of autism spectrum disorders is? Well, like, you know, we have to always remember that autism is a spectrum, right? Like that's something that has been said for a long time. If you meet one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. And that is absolutely 100% true. I mean, Max, Max's autism is portrayed in a way that is kind of um, stereotypical for TV, 
that mm-hmm. is that's what we see a lot like you know kind of very focused on routine and and rigid with his expectations and very hyper focused on his areas of interest right like with the bugs but then that's not always what it is and and i think that the part of autism that often gets left out is a lot of the more severe side. And that truthfully, that's my background is working with people who are non-speaking and people who do have a lot of challenging behaviors, being self-injury or aggression towards others, property destruction. We see a little bit of that with Max, which is honestly a good thing, I think, because I think that people that are watching this show then get a tiny little glimpse of oh so so this kid might he might come after his own family physically and he might have a hard time calming down because of something that seems so small to everyone else and i think that's just really important for people to realize and i i like adam's um kind of we see like his transformation where he in the beginning of the season started out like oh i'm gonna you know we're gonna we're gonna fix him and this, this, you know, shouldn't be that big of a problem and we'll take care of it. And, and Christina's a lot more like, I don't know, like this Asperger's <laughs> diagnosis, which by the way, doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. That that's what we've heard. That- yeah. So it's just autism spectrum disorders now. And, and there's some other specific little labels in there. I don't know off the top of my head what they are, but I think it's interesting there how they transform in their approach with him and their views of Max and how eventually we get to this point where we're at now in this episode where it seems like they're just kind of realizing, okay, we're, we're taking him for who he is, you know, and we're going to jump right in there. Um, I don't know if it was this episode or maybe one prior where like, Adam's having the conversation like my son won't even talk to me and he's really Mm. trying to talk to Gabby about well this is what I want from therapy I want him to talk to me but the comment that really irked me but is honestly very realistic I hear this I've heard this from parents for so many years is why is this taking so long Mm. that I mean as a therapist so so I'm a speech therapist and I I work mostly with individuals who are non-speaking and I have heard that so many times, uh, why is this taking so long? And it hurts because yes, it, it does take a long time, you know, for social skills to develop, for communication to develop in general, but isn't that worth it? Like, can't yeah. you just be patient with your kid? And I, <laughs> I know like he, he's not actually, to be real, Adam's not being patient. He just, no. he, he wants <laughs> Max to change like that, like a snap and, He's not going to. So it's it's kind of painting that picture for people to see this is the reality. And you have to kind of just say, okay, how can we make the best of what our situation is? Thanks for sharing your perspective. That's so interesting. Yeah. It's really valuable. And you know, while while we have you here, I was also curious <laughs> if you thought the way that Gabby was portrayed, like, did you think that you know, oh, is question. she, is she effective since that was what you did for, you know, a career? Or? Yes. Yeah. I think Gabby, her portrayal of that character is actually pretty spot on from what I have done as an ABA therapist. I will say just a little side note that there is now currently a huge blow up. And this has been kind of actually for the last few years in the field of speech language pathology versus ABA 
and a lot of conflicting, like who's in charge, kind of whose opinion matters most on like how we treat autism. So that's, I kind of wonder like if he were in therapy now, would it look any different? So yeah, just a question I thought in my own little speechy brain. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you again. That was super interesting. And, and we try to talk about it as, as well as we can and do research, but it, it's just invaluable to have somebody like you on. So thank you. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it is understandable what a stressor that would be on any relationship, but particularly mm-hmm. a marriage. And I thought that the way Christina reacted to this news, which by the way, listeners will remember this statistic was told to Adam by Gabby in a deleted scene from hmm. season one. Oh, and they now are bringing it back. And I thought that was really interesting that they realized even if they had to cut it from another episode, they thought, oh, there is drama to mine from (laughs) that. If there were these statistics floating around out there, you would be concerned about your marriage. I wondered why did Suze Lessing tell Christina this? Was she just not thinking or did she assume that Christina knew at first and then mm-hmm. by the time she realized or was she like I'm alone and sad and misery loves company she said it kind of off the cuff so I think she I interpreted it as she thought Christina already knew mm. I thought more like what you're saying Melissa <laughs> like yeah hey we're going through this because our kid has autism it's probably going to happen to you too yeah. deal with that I don't know right, like, right. I mean wouldn't you if you were the lessings maybe find Adam and Christina just unbearable in their like attractiveness <laughs> and their togetherness and, you know wouldn't you just be like let's take them down a peg yeah right <laughs> right maybe not <laughs> well I thought Christina and Adam were both adorable in yeah in you know wanting to have a date night even though Adam mm-hmm. kind of bristled at first and I love that once he saw that it was really important to her, mm-hmm. that yeah. he was entirely on board. But he mentioned that he didn't like the term date night. And so I was wondering, uh, me, the only non-married person here, do you guys have do you guys have date nights? And do you call them date nights? Or is it just, <laughs> you know? We we have them. I mean, not as frequently as we would like. I mean, it would be nice to have a child who was old enough to be a built-in babysitter for the other <laughs> child. So we're, we're still at that stage where whenever we want to have a date night, like, you know, babysitters have to be arranged and yada, 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 which now is more difficult than it was yeah. uh, seven months ago yeah. or whatever. But, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know that we ever always feel a need to call it date night, no. but there's <laughs> certainly not, there's no problem in calling it date night. Yeah, I thought it was kind of funny, Adam's reaction. I don't I don't like that they call it date night. Like, <laughs> why do you care? What does it matter? <laughs> you get to go on a date with your hot wife. Right. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> He's not into labels. Yeah. No, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess Mark and I don't really call it date night either, but we do go on dates. Um, but again, yeah, we don't have kids, so it's... I don't think we officially think of them always as dates. We're just going somewhere, you know, like, yeah. and, and yeah. 
you know, less often now, like you said, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we still will sometimes find some socially distanced, masked outside thing. And we're like, we're living. I feel like the term date night comes into play when you do have kids because it has to be yeah, like, that. it's like an event to find time, you know, where it's just the two yes. of you away from, you know, everyone else. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, their schedule being what it is, they have difficulty sticking with the date of their date night. Hey, listen, about Thursday. Uh-huh. I was just wondering if you'd be willing to move it by one week to next Thursday. It would make things a lot easier for me. Sure. I know you want to go out. It's and I, I do, too. No, absolutely. 100%. Whatever you need. This is exactly what she said would happen. This is, how, this is how we become one of the 80%. What's going on with you? What are you talking no, about? Lessing, what's, what's 80%? Susie, Susie Lessing, Lessing told me today that 80% of couples that have children with autism end up getting divorced because they don't spend enough no, time together. This is all about Susie Lessing? It's not about Susie Lessing, okay? Her her therapist told her this statistic. It's a true thing. No, hello. Maybe there's a reason those two kooks are in therapy They're not kooks, with. honey. They're just, they're not connecting, okay? Do you honey, know we are scary? not feeling Susie I'm Lessing. I'm just asking for one night. That's all I was asking for was just for one night. Okay. I see that this is important to you, and we're going to go out this Thursday. Okay? I just so badly wanted Adam to be like, I see you. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing some a very effective communicating. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, you know, I think the thing that she said that really got me, even as a non-parent, was this this concept of, well, every week is crazy. Like, you're, mm-hmm. you're never yeah. going to find a week that, you know. Yeah. Aren't there memes about how that's what, like, being an adult is, is mm-hmm. just being like, next week things will be better, and you just yep. say that till <laughs> yes. you die. <laughs> like, yes. yes. Yeah. And so I thought, well, you really do have to carve out time for things like exercise or a hobby or self-care or a date. Like, because uh, if you don't, the schedule will just fill up. Yeah, you you know, and, and so you have you have to really work to have it, which I think is hard when it feels like something that's just fun and maybe even a luxury. But Christina is not seeing it as like a fun luxury right now. She is panicked and necessity. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Although I kind of like that she I, it feels like not a bad lesson to take away from the lessons. Mm-hmm. Oh, which absolutely. Is like, because of, of course, any couple would want a date night to just arise organically out of, you know, your daily life, but that's just not going to happen. Unless you steal your daughter's uh, birthday cake. Precisely. (laughs) But yeah, but you have to prioritize it and you have to make time for it. And that's a good lesson, I would think. I had two really insignificant observations Yay. <laughs> first of all since when is it Susie lessing i thought I, it was Sue's. i, I thought it was Sue's too have i just been misunderstanding or have i been interpreting the spelling of her name on the subtitles which is just s-u-z-e have i been thinking that means that that's how it's pronounced too i i don't know i know feel... they've been saying Sue's. that's just what i thought S-U-Z, too but 
I think what I took that as is, oh, now she's just going to like a little bit of a nickname with ah. Susie. Mm-hmm. Now they're close. She's taking a new lease on life right. now that she's splitting up. Yeah. She's like, yeah. that was the old Suze. Yeah. Now I'm right. Susie. Right. <laughs> on the prowl. Bill's <laughs> out of my life. <laughs> and then the second observation was where is the door to Adam and Christina's bedroom? In this scene, it looks like Adam enters from a door that is on the wall at the foot of their bed. But I would have said that the door was on the same wall as their the bathroom, bathroom door and closet oh. door. Where is he coming from? Interesting. <laughs> I don't know. And yeah, maybe I'm maybe I'm seeing things, or maybe I've been seeing things, or maybe it was a goof on their part. Mm. Speaking of their their house, I actually said to Shane during this episode, I enjoy their dated bathroom (laughs) in in Adam and Christina's room. It's like kind of funky, got like green tile and a pink pink sink. sink, Yeah, yeah, I kind of enjoyed that compared to the rest of their house, which is like pretty modern and updated. Yeah, I've been watching a ton of House Hunters during (sighs) quarantine. Oh yeah, yes. And I now that you say it, I do appreciate that they're. Ensuite master bathroom <laughs> looks to be so small. Mm-hmm. In addition to dated, you mm-hmm. know, it's like I don't think there would be a ton of room if they were both in there. True. And I thought it's just a nice little touch to like keep them from being too perfect. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like they're both gorgeous and they apparently have enough money that she can not work. Right. And their home is gigantic and beautiful, mm-hmm. and they drive Nissans. And <laughs> um, but then, but it's like, well, they got a tiny master bathroom, right. and it needs to be renovated. <laughs> Justice, <laughs> justice. Can I share just one other moment yeah. that between the two of them that was the most relatable to me for the episode? The I think it's the very first scene when the oh. episode starts. When Adam's like, can we please get rid of some of this junk? <laughs> like, that is my daily life. Guilty. Like, <laughs> this needs to go. Can I throw this out? Um, the way was... she mouths so quietly, it's not junk. Like, <laughs> I... <laughs> Monica Potter is so good at these little throwaway moments that I don't think you're supposed to really notice. They, right. I've started noticing them and they crack me up. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's perfect. Her. But yeah, what a good point. I'm I'm with you. Get it all out. Like, yes. Yeah. No. I'm trying. I promise. <laughs> it's just all a process. So I feel for Christina. We just have a, a never-ending, ongoing project in our basement of stuff that needs to be sorted through and disposed of. And you know, it's it's just the never-ending story down there. But it's a long time, long yeah. process. process. Yeah. Maybe one of these days you'll pull a Camille and just burn it. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. That's what I need to say to Alicia. Like, decide what you want. I'm burning the rest of it. Yeah. Please don't. <laughs> and then I'll come play Scott Joplin while it smolders. <laughs> <laughs> well, at the end, my last thought with Adam Christina's date, I feel like running into someone at a restaurant and then like having to share a table happens all the time in movies and TV. And why doesn't anyone ever say, no thanks, we want some alone time? Like, I, I I cannot stand confrontation in my own life. And I will avoid it at comical, I will go to comical lengths <laughs> to avoid it. But even I have, would have no problem saying, 
eh, I just want to be by myself. And there was even a scene in season one where Joel and Julia ran into Raquel and her right. husband. And yes. they very politely were like, maybe they even said we're like on a date night. I forget. They but, did because yeah. Raquel was like, oh, so are we. Here's our daughter too. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Oh Which gosh. isn't a date night, as we've yes. <laughs> so I just thought couldn't first rule of date night, mm-hmm. and I don't think any of them want to be with any of the. You know, oh, it's not clearly. like oh well, yeah. Sarah yeah. would love some time with Christina. No, right. no. no, I think no. they low key hate each other. Sorry, yeah, Christina. yeah. I don't even know if it's that low key right now. No, I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, Christina was furious when Hattie was like, "Yeah, Sarah changed that part to a joke." She's oh, like, yeah. "What?" Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and she's clearly not happy with the fact that Adam gave her a job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they may not have resolved things, but it's nice to see that Hattie and Amber seem like friends again. I wrote that that down. (laughs) (laughs) I have a a note that says, what happened to the Steve drama? Like, it clearly was resolved, like, over the summer. But we don't know. That we don't get to see. (laughs) I would have liked to have seen it. I mean, Amber really liked Steve. You know, she was, like, crying Mm -hmm. to her mom about how I really like him. Mm -hmm. And now... I, I don't think we ever hear Steve's name again. And I feel like- I believe his name was Steve Wood. Oh God. <laughs> is that true? Is, is it, really? it really? I think it is his name. Oh That's my fantastic. gosh. Perfect. Well, this would just be a really good lead in for someone else to do an impression if they could. I'm just gonna throw <laughs> Is it Mobob? Wood? Whoa! That's, That's incredible. So good. Uh, that's that's pretty much the only impression I can do. So I don't well, you know picked what a that great says about one. me. Yeah, and, you're, and you did it fully. You know, uh, wonderful. Wait, now I have to know. <laughs> if I'm looking it up, is it? that's going to um, be so fantastic. I'm almost positive it's Steve Wood. Oh, it's Steve Williams. Uh. <laughs> Caleb, you have to keep all of this. Don't I guess it. I do. <laughs> yep. <laughs> while I while I get this egg off my face. Oh, yeah, the Parenthood Pal Police are really mm-hmm. gonna come after you for that one. <laughs> Why did I think it was wood? I don't know. You just wanted me to do the impression. Yeah, that was it. Yep, that was that- it. I was. <laughs> yep. Isn't the last thing we saw though Hattie telling Adam that she saw Amber kissing Steve at school, and then we never hear about them again? Yeah. Well, but you yeah. see, Ad, you see. Hattie and Amber kind of soundlessly sorting things out in that truck stop in Gilroy where they found Amber. Maybe what they were saying to each other is, we'll be friends again, just never mention Steve's name again. And Amber said, okay. You and got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There it is. <laughs> you got it, dude. Like, I mean, we're doing the whole full house. Yeah. All the full house. <laughs> then they well, had and some in this house episode- cream. A what? And then they had some ice cream. Do you remember that that was? Michelle, oh. ice cream. <laughs> she said ice cream instead of I ice gotcha. cream. Thank you. Was it like a German thing? <laughs> oh, it was just how she said it. It was just oh. how she said it. And everybody would yell at her, it's ice cream. And then the laugh track would lose uh. its mind. Yeah. <laughs> well, Hattie and Amber seem to be friends again. And I love this little like thrown in line of Hattie's. I need I mean, to have a donut. I can't deal with this. Girl, I can relate. Yes. We have all been there. I have a note about the donut. <laughs> Let's hear the donut note. The dough note. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, like, I'm watching the scene and I'm like, what is she eating? <laughs> and Alicia's and like, all right, I guess you have to tell them you don't like cream-filled donuts. Right. But she's like eating it like a caveman. It's clearly like a cream-filled donut, but she has it like all ripped apart in her hand. Like, who eats a cream-filled donut by like picking it apart like that? Am I crazy? No. <laughs> it's funny. I, I do like cream-filled donuts. I don't eat them like she did. And yet I thought it looked insanely delicious. Yes. <laughs> I was like, oh, look at it all just oozing out of there. It looks oh, incredible. That's my nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> my my, Different favorite, part, my yes. favorite part of that little speech that they had was when Amber was like, like wear a cool hat and she's like wearing a cool hat and I'm like that's weird and then she's like remember that guy who's like put the stud in student council and Hattie's like yeah it's not pronounced student council that doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah. I, just, I thought that was such a funny little throwaway moment that a lot of shows don't spend time on stuff like that like if it doesn't move the story forward cut it you know I felt like mm-hmm. that whole scene wasn't really that important and that's why I liked it it was just very funny and like you got a real sense of their personality and that Amber, if she ran for student council, she would just have a catchphrase and a hat. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought that was a good phrase. Like, I take Hattie's point. It isn't student council. Yeah. But I still thought it was pretty clever. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that Amber says the speech, it sounds like her grandmother wrote it. I was like, wouldn't that be your grandmother? Yeah. Like, I know she's not being literal, but first of all, her grandmother is Hattie's grandmother, at least one of them. Mm-hmm. And but secondly, I don't think a speech written by Camille would be like boring and stodgy. I think it'd be Soup's oh. Berkeley. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's hip. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Soup's. Well, we have another. <laughs> just like Drew apologized to Sarah, we have another apology from Hattie to Christina. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about telling you I didn't want you to be on my campaign, okay? I'm sorry, too. I'm sorry that I was pushy and obnoxious, and I... It's okay. Sorry. So, now my speech is not good, and Amber hates it, and I don't know what to do, and I need your help. Yeah. I will help you. It's another one of those little Monica Potter. Yeah, that's rude. Well, that's rude. (laughs) And she's she's dangerously close to saying, how rude. <laughs> yes. Uh. But I thought that was so good of both of them to just kind of drop their pride and apologize. And I I liked that the apology was delayed from the previous episode. Yeah. You'd mentioned that. You'd yeah. mentioned that there was no apology at the end of the episode for And like, I truly Hattie. didn't remember I didn't either. That any more Student Council President storyline was coming up. Oh, it was a big so, arc this season. Yeah. So this was a surprise to me. I think it's the number one arc of any yeah. season, apparently. <laughs> Wait, I have this written here as a, it looks like I have it written as a question, but I don't have a question mark. That's unacceptable. I believe here's a question I posed to the panel. Um, <laughs> is it better to let children come to you when they need help rather than offering it? And certainly rather than like shoving it onto them against their will. Yes. I mean, I'm not a parent. You guys go. (laughs) But as far as teaching goes, yes. 
I think it depends on their age. Like with our kids being so little right now, yeah, it's just like they don't know they need help. They're not gonna just philosophically come to no. you and be like, right. "No, mother." When I've been does thinking. one tie one shoelaces? Right. Yeah. I've been thinking it's time. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. it, you know, Shane, I think you'll appreciate this musical theater actor that you are. It kind of reminds me of a line from the song "The Hardest Part of Love" from Children of Eden. Do you know that? song or that show i have to say i don't like i know a couple songs from that show but i've i'm ashamed to say i've never seen it oh well that's all right but there's one line where god who they just call (laughs) father but it's Mm -hmm. it's the god of abraham um he's singing he sings oh this son of mine i love so well and oh the toll it takes i would give to him a garden and keep it clear of snakes but the one thing he most treasures is to make his own mistakes. Oh. I could save him from ever encountering anything terrible, but he doesn't want that. Hmm. Right. And I, that's what this made me think of a little bit. Yeah, I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and I think that's clearly something that, whether it's, you know, with driving or running for stud and counsel, something <laughs> that Christine is kind of struggling with. And, you know... Our kids aren't that age yet, but I'm sure all those things that come along with them growing older and learning to let them go like that will be very difficult. So I, I can imagine what that will be like yeah. and understand why she struggles with it. I feel like I've seen that in my family, like with my mom when I was younger, she wanted in on everything. Mm. I I ran for student council officer. I I was like a student council president and my mom was absolutely, she was no campaign manager like Christina, <laughs> but she absolutely was right there. Like always, you know, wanting to read my speeches and talk to me about like how the elections were going and anything related to that. And, but now, you know, like how old am I? 33. Yeah. And, and she, she's realized, oh, as I've gotten older that she can't always do that. And she, she knows now that like, if I have a problem, I will come to her, but she's not pushy like she was when I was in high school. So Mm. I, I related to that, that Christina and Hattie, like mom's just got to be right there. Mom's super interested and maybe when Hattie grows up, maybe her mom won't be so pushy. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so hard because it, it comes from such a generous place, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, who wouldn't want to help? All she wants to do is help you succeed. Exactly. Right? Or all Christina wants to do. Right. But yeah, I guess you did to let them get there. I also liked in this storyline just a little bit of Sarah and Hattie interaction that we got. It wasn't much, but I don't think we've ever seen yeah. just the two of them together. Right. No. Yeah, I enjoyed, yeah that. I enjoyed that. Give us more writers of this show that's been <laughs> off the air for five years. I think Sarah is probably a lot nicer uh, to Hattie than Christina would be to Amber. It's like, oh, yeah. for sure. Yes. Like, remember in that like one scene where she basically calls Amber a whore? Like, mm-hmm. it just, I get oh, that yeah. she slept with Steve, but boy, like I, I don't know. There were mm-hmm. times I was like, Christina is not very adult right now. <laughs> like right. she just, yeah, yeah. I did have one note about the whole student council thing. I felt like having a humongous banner made for the backyard that said, congratulations, Hattie, might have been a little bit overkill for student council. (laughs) Maybe that's just me. (laughs) Also in the previous episode, 
who gets up at a family dinner and like raises their glass and like uh, announces right. <laughs> that their daughter is running for student council. Yes. That the Bravermans are extra, you know, they just they are. Yeah, they very much are. <laughs> so and extra. I would have hated having to re-give my speech. Yeah. Oh, I would have refused. To this family. To I would family. yeah, I would have. And like somebody filmed it, just track that down. Like it's fine. <laughs> or like here I'll pass around Copy. I don't yeah. know. To me, no. that felt Read like that felt like when you're at a family function and and someone's like, "Oh, Shane can sing. Shane, sing for us." And oh I'm like, God, yeah. "No." So many times. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Well, shall we move on to Crosby's story? Mm, yes, yeah. sure. Starting off with an insignificant observation. We've never seen the inside of that little mud room, laundry room <laughs> at Adam and Christina's before. Oh, yeah. I don't think we've ever had like the camera back there. Right. Good point. Oh. Yeah. So the first thing I noted or wondered is, would you do the kind of favor that Gabby does for Crosby for a family member of someone you worked for? Like I, that just struck me as like, wow, that Alicia. Is did you ever drive Did uncle? you ever? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot say that I have ever had to uh, had to do that. So. And then did you throw yourself between him and his brother-in-law right. to keep them from fighting? Like I'm just saying, nope. <laughs> the job never ends. Right? That did feel a bit forced because, like in an episode previous, when Crosby first meets Gabby. And he's like, isn't it strange we haven't met yet? And she kind of gives him a face like, mm, I, don't, I don't know why you would say <laughs> right. that. That's right. kind of weird. It was, it was right after he said, beautiful stranger in the kitchen. I'm exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. That's that, a weird thing I, to say. I literally wrote down, it definitely makes me think that they're setting something up between them. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because <laughs> um, it did feel it did feel forced. And then <laughs> Crosby calling Seku Sudoku. Yes. I, I wrote that Got down. an actual... <laughs> from me (laughs) followed by uncomfortable laughter and then just that whole interaction was super uncomfortable Mm -hmm. i yeah i hate that it got physical but like seiku was very clear warning him Mm -hmm. don't touch touch me me. oh yeah and and like he didn't hurt him and and i I got the impression, at least, that like had Crosby been sober, he would not have toppled to the he ground. He wouldn't have fallen to the ground. Yeah, yes. I think right. so. And I'm, I'm just like relieved then that Gabby was there, however mm-hmm. contrived it to was, to throw her tiny body between. Them. <laughs> it could have been so much worse. You know, um, this might be such a weird thing to say, but this is the second time I've thought this now. Um, the first one was when he and Zeke were drinking on the boat in the season one finale. And then this time, just watching him down shot after shot. You know, Dak Shepard is like famously, you know, in recovery. And he actually, his podcast, I did listen to this, even though I don't usually listen to his podcast. But oh, I yeah. sounded so interesting where you talked about relapsing, although he didn't drink like drinking was not part of the relapsing. It was like, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But anyway, I just thought that must be such a weird thing to have been sober for a decade or however long it had been in 2010 and have to pretend to throw all these drinks back and then Uh. act like you're drunk. Um, which he does very well, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. No, I I thought that same exact thing. Cause I, I have listened to his podcast for, a long time regularly and it's such a a frequent topic he discusses and as soon as they showed the scene of him at the studio just taking shots I the same exact thought crossed my mind it has to be so strange yeah wow it didn't even occur to me but that is fascinating 
Yeah. I'm paranoid about how often I say interesting. Oh I my God. To, I say it constantly. I need to come up with other synonyms than fascinating. Because now it's just kind of. Sometimes I just try to find, and I use fascinating a lot too. Compelling, I don't use as often. So I'm trying to see that. Intriguing. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, comment with what your favorite synonym for interesting is. We'll start using it. Uh. Well, um, they have a little confrontation about it once they've all sobered up. Not that I have to explain myself to you, but the girl last night, that's my autistic nephew's behavioral aid. There's nothing going on between us. When your mom called, I was in the middle of celebrating finishing a big album, and I was in no position to drive. So I called my brother's house, she picked up, offered to drive me, I said fine. That's all that happened. Okay, whatever. No, 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 not whatever. I was off the clock. It was your mom's day with your bar yesterday. If I knew she was going to need me, I wouldn't have been drinking. I wouldn't have even been at the party. Wait, you're, you're worried that I'm going to go tell Jasmine. You, you can do whatever you want to do. I mean, that would be totally uncool, so I wouldn't put it past you, but go crazy. Wait, well, okay, you know what I think, Crosby? If you really want to be a father, you'd know you're never off the clock. I had two conflicting thoughts about that. At first, I was like, Sekou makes a good point that you're never off the clock if you're a parent. But mm -hmm. then I thought wait, what? Like, so he's not supposed to, I mean, maybe it was excessive to like get that wasted at four right. in the afternoon, but it was, that's his job. I mean, his job involves, you know, parties to celebrate these sorts of things. He doesn't have a normal job, you know? And, right. and if he really didn't think that Renee was going to call him, I, I, so I was really torn. What, what did you guys think? Well, I felt like previously they made such a big deal about him wanting to have Jabbar full-time and then telling him he wasn't allowed to. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, he's getting mixed messages there. You know, you can't be in charge of him full-time. And then Seku's saying really the opposite. Even, even if you're not going to have Jabbar, you need to act like you have Jabbar. Exactly. It's very, it is very conflicting. Like yeah. they're, they are giving him mixed messages. Are you, is he supposed to be a dad full-time or is he not? I don't, we don't really know. He doesn't really know. But, yeah. you know, like you said, though, with his job, it's not like he was just down at the corner bar just getting wasted. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it was an event that was planned and not, you know, I don't know. I, I, I agree. It was I was kind of torn. Wow. I'm really happy to hear your opinions because I was I was more firmly on Sekou's side. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I get why Crosby thought he was making valid points and like I agree up to a point but I I mostly thought Sekou was right I I did think they were both being unnecessarily hostile I mm -hmm. thought which I just chalked up to like masculinity they yeah. were both trying to like like prove. when Crosby's like oh doing your laundry at mommy's house <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <I like> that. <laughs> and I especially I think the whole conversation would have been completely different if Crosby had just begun with an apology, mm. like if he had said, I'm sorry for what happened. Thank you for picking Jabbar up. Right. Mm -hmm. Here's here's why that happened. It's not because I'm a negligent idiot. Right. It's because I thought this and this and that. Yeah. That I feel like could have diffused the whole thing. But um mm -hmm. and maybe not said off the clock, because that right. feels different from just saying I wasn't expecting to see him that day. Like on yeah. the clock doesn't yeah. seem like a great phrase to use because you're not, yeah. that is true. You're never like not a parent, but. Right. Right. Yeah, know. that made me think of our, our previous guest, Blair, 
who mentioned her like only piece of advice to new parents is that you're never just like alone with your thoughts. Even oh, yeah. if your kids aren't with you, she's like, even if you're on vacation, mm-hmm. you're always going, okay, kid one, where are they? Are they alive? Are they fed? Mm-hmm. Are they, are they safe? Okay. Kid two alive, breathing fed. And I thought, Oh yeah, this is what she means that like, yeah. yeah. And then even earlier when you guys said that you both work full time. So throughout the day, you're not, I forget exactly what you said, but you said something like we are not immediately responsible for our kids or mm-hmm. something. Right. Which however you put it, it made me think of it, this storyline because you oh, somehow yeah. acknowledged that you were like the second line of responsibility. Like if yeah. anything goes wrong, they're going to call you. Uh-huh. Right. You're going to have to be ready. And that's a yeah. good point. Because so don't now, be drunk. Right. <laughs> I did almost ask, do you guys ever day drink? <laughs> Uh, well, we do work from home now, so. <laughs> All bets are off. <laughs> I know, I, I will say, I remember vividly that the first time I ever watched this particular episode, I was terrified that Crosby was going to drive drunk and go pick up Jabbar. Yes. I really was like, oh my God, no. Yeah. And so yeah. what ended up happening, I was like, this is responsible. This is great. Like, yeah. I just felt much, you know, and, and then... I don't know. So I guess I was just so relieved that even when he got into the altercation with Seku, I'm like, still better than in a car accident with Jabbar mm-hmm. in the car, which mm-hmm. was where my mind went. So, yeah, totally. Well, when Crosby goes to talk to Adam about it, it's revealed that Gabby told Christina about the mm-hmm. whole situation. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think about her telling her? Because I, mm-hmm. I really liked it because mm-hmm. I thought it was super nice of her to help Crosby. But the reason that she is in any of these people's lives is Max and her mm-hmm. job with Max. So to me, it felt like she was being very transparent and responsible of like telling her boss. Totally. Here's what happened. Just so you know, even though arguably it's not any of Christina's business, like mm. Gabby was off the clock. Yeah. yeah. But I, I still felt like it was like, oh, Gabby is like, Got a great head on her shoulders. She was She's headed to being... Pilates. I'm sorry, I just said that because <laughs> I liked all the, all the. That's a lot of information. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, I agree, Caleb. I think Gabby definitely made the right move. It would have been very strange if she didn't say anything to. Yeah, Christina. then it's like they have this weird secret, and right. That just muddies everything. It never crossed my mind that she shouldn't have No, told her. like she's in their family lives. So, and we know obviously how close the Bravermans are. So of course <laughs> they would have found out about this yeah. altercation, you know? So I thought it made perfect sense that she spoke up. Well, yeah. And then Gabby apologizes for telling Christina later. And I didn't think she needed to apologize for that. Well, and what do you make in that same scene between Adam and Crosby? What do you make of Adam's use of ultra hot to describe Gabby? That did stick out to me. Me too. Because like, I, not whether or not is Gabby ultra hot. I mean, clearly but, she but is. She's she Mika is. Kelly, but. But like, okay. yeah. I, I, I'm, I just found myself, I'm like guessing or I'm hoping really that it's in reference to how Crosby, or to why Crosby would be reluctant to tell Jasmine Mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. like speaking because from crosby's point of view and yeah like Adams. oh you wouldn't want jasmine to know about this because the woman in question is ultra hot and i hope it's that and not just that adam is like having some locker room talk with his bro yeah no <laughs> i think you're probably right I think you're right i mean adam's not really like that adam seems too straight laced to right to want to have locker room talk with crosby 
Yeah. That's why it stuck out to me, though. I was like, what a weird thing. Like, like I mean, because I feel like Adam might have just said attractive or something, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like something more clinical or like just yeah. accurate. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, we have another great apology, this time from Crosby to Renee. I'm sorry. And I promise I'm going to figure out a way to explain all this to Jabbar and make sure he knows it's not okay to fight. Don't worry about it. He doesn't know. Didn't Seku tell him? I'm sure he wanted to, but he knows that I would have been all over his behind. Wow, I um, I thought he would have. Thank you, Renee. You're welcome. Kim, help me. <clears throat> no stems, quarter inch pieces. Okay, no okay. stems, quarter inch pieces. Okay. The situation's tough, you know, with Jasmine out of town. I think. We're all just trying to do the right thing, and it's... You see, that's not how I see it. What do you mean? I love my daughter, would do anything for her. But what I see happening with my grandson, it's not good. Well, Jasmine's a great mom. Now, don't get me wrong. I know she's doing the best she can. But the truth is, she's been dragging that poor boy all over creation. Summer's in New York, then she moves him back here. And she goes to Europe. It's not good. Yeah, well, it's her dream. I know that. And it's not good for the child. So you need to figure it out. I can't just figure... I can't make her do anything. No, when I say you, I don't mean you. I mean the both of you together. Children need stability. I know it's modern and fashionable to live your separate lives and split time with your kids, but I think that is a bunch of bull twinking. That boy needs his mama and his daddy. So either you know what, or get off the pot. You poop? Poop or get off the pot? <laughs> is that what you're... You know what I mean. I know what you mean. He got a genuine laugh out of her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like the scene because it feels like the first time when Renee is like, kind of accepting him as Jabbar's father. Yeah. Yeah. A- acknowledging his opinion and role in Jabbar's life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And cutting him a little slack. Well, mm. and I think the nicer way of saying that is extending him a little grace. Yeah. Mm. I thought it was such good communication right at the beginning of the scene because Crosby kind of, you know, humbles himself mm-hmm. and apologizes, I think, very sincerely. Mm-hmm. And then she gives him just that little bit of grace. And then, boom, I feel like they are speaking more honestly with each other than they ever have. Yep. And really chewing on this complicated issue that, yeah. you know, they all want to resolve. I think right. the only thing that made me uncomfortable was when it kind of turned from hey, okay, nice, you extended me grace, we're getting along. And then it was like, all of a sudden, Crosby's put in the position of having to defend Jasmine against her own mother. Like, that's (laughs) a little awkward, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you can tell he's not comfortable with that. And then then that moment kind of passes, and then they, you know, uh, I like where it ends. But (laughs) I I did think, like, oh, God, you know, because he misses Jasmine. He probably wishes she was home, but it's, you know... I, I was glad he stuck up for her. He wasn't just like, I know it sucks, mm-hmm. right? And then they were just, <laughs> so. That's funny. I did write down the opinions Renee then expresses are iffy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and she's like, what's happening with my grandson is not good. I'm like, he seems fine. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. We really enjoyed her use of the phrase, a bunch of bull Twinkie. Is yeah. that what she says? <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, she was able to say bull Twinkie, but yeah. she couldn't say poop or get off the pot. <laughs> we, uh, we have a more like overarching issue with this whole storyline is that Jasmine's tour is only four weeks long. Yeah. Why is this? It, this is like a non-issue. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I like, agree. Caleb, you understand? Like, tours can go on for months and months and months. Like, she's yeah, or years. Four, yeah, she's gone for four weeks. Right. I did think when she when she comes back, I you know not to jump ahead, but I Let's am. Jump. Um, Sorry, I you let know, you there. A, <laughs> make like crisscross. <laughs> Yeah, well, okay, first of all, let's hear let's hear what Jasmine has to say about it. I left the company. Really? Yeah. How come? You know, I just always thought that it was everything that I wanted. And for two hours every night during performances, it was amazing and it was wonderful. But the rest of the time was living out of suitcases and feeling sad and lonely and missing my family. Miss your family? A lot. Missing me. Yeah, you. <laughs> we missed you. So, mm. I made my decision. Here I am. Wait a minute, you're here here. You're not going back to New York. You're here for good. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. What? <laughs> so, yeah, as a creative person, I kind of hate that we're supposed to be happy that Jasmine abandoned her dream. Right. I mean, it was just a twinge because it it does seem like it was her choice. It was what she wanted in order to be happy. And her explanations made perfect sense because Mm -hmm. that is that is something that I think like when people hear that I've worked on Broadway, they think they have an idea of what that looks like. Mm -hmm. And it it doesn't match what it what it is. But it is kind of true. It's like, well, for the two hours a night. Yeah. that you're actually doing the job, it is pretty magical. The grind of it is everything else around mm-hmm. it that gets you to that point. And especially when you're on tour, your whole life is upended, but it's how much you love those two hours. So I thought that was really well put. And what she's leaving her dream for is a different kind of dream. So I get it, but yeah. I just know a lot of performers and artists with children and they often sacrifice time with their kids to follow those passions. And I hate any implication that they love their kids less if they don't feel as guilty as Jasmine did. And then, like, as you said, if it's only four weeks, power through. Right. <laughs> and then, and I mean, how many weeks have already elapsed? That's it what I was just going like to say. Right, right. At least two. Right. Yeah, you're almost I, done. It seems like. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I was thinking, I guess... Yeah, why not just power through to the end of the tour? But I guess if she is like, and then when the tour is over, I'm going back to New York with Jabbar and I'll be away from Crosby. I mean, to me, it seemed like the whole thing was ultimately more about missing Crosby than Jabbar because Mm. she and Jabbar would be living together in New York. You know, she quit the whole company, not just got out of the European tour. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, that's kind of intense. And that is putting an awful lot on that relationship and on Crosby, like, which I'm not saying is bad. I'm just saying Crosby had better hold up his end because she's literally giving up her dream. I think essentially 
to be with him. And I hope he appreciates that enough. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a good point. I hadn't thought of it yet. Well, and like I said, you know, Alvin Ailey is not just like, oh, that's a good place to work if you're a dancer. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's like that the place like to work. The place. The, yeah. that, I mean, it's like as elite as you get to right. give mm-hmm. that up. is, yeah. um, And how long she must have worked in order uh. to be at that level. Well, right. How, I mean, she is yeah. she is throwing away like her life's work. Oh, yeah. God. And how old is Jasmine supposed to be, I wonder? Because I know Crosby's like 35. And I wonder if she's supposed to be around his age or a little younger. But Yeah, I would guess early 30s. Yeah. And so I I mean, mm. not that I know that much about ballet dancing, but there's a shelf life, right? Like I'm, I'm like, yeah. how many oh, more yeah. years could she have done that anyway? And so I don't know. I don't know that. Well, I would say like certainly not more than 10. No. Would be my guess. Yeah, that's probably even but maybe being, I'm wrong. I don't know. That's that's maybe even being um what's the word? Conservative. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 I think they probably peak. <laughs> maybe at what 20 somewhere around there <laughs> I, was, I was thinking that like that and like gymnastics and like certain yeah. things it's just yeah, yeah pretty young yeah. so we'll see I mean she seems happy about it and and I will just say I, that last shot of Jasmine and Crosby embracing with Jabbar in there just warmed my heart you know right. I was oh, yeah. I was really happy about the reunion I just did feel that twinge of regret for Jasmine that and she I, had to do that. Mm-hmm. And I really don't remember what she does for a living after this. I, oh, whatever it is, point. it doesn't stick yeah. in my mind. So yeah. I guess we'll find out, but I'm like, oh yeah, what does she do now? I Maybe have to teaches. throw in there. I We always talk about Jabbar and how he's just adorable and he's just like the sweetest kid. So I, isn't it interesting that, you know, um, Renee makes that point like, oh, well, kids need stability and she's all not happy with how Jasmine's raising him. But like the kid's turning out fine. He's clearly yeah. well adjusted. <laughs> like, look, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's like the, the best behaved kid. kid on the show. Right, right. That's so, true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I think Renee just wants him to stay close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For I, maybe yeah. her own interest. Yeah. I think Renee is probably pretty good at framing things in a way that makes her seem, yeah, like selfless when really mm-hmm. maybe <laughs> some of this is selfish. Or even like telling Crosby essentially that like he needs to marry Jasmine, which is what I took from that. I really thought that was inappropriate. Like, I mean, it seemed like a cute moment because they're like smiling together and it seems like maybe that's what Crosby wants anyway. So maybe that's fine. But I'll just say this as someone who dated her husband for nine years before we got married (laughs) and lots of people had opinions about how that should have been done more quickly. (laughs) And usually people told my husband that not me because you know, it's a traditional world and people would, and it just always made me feel really bad. Um, And it was just such a, narrow way I think of looking at a relationship I get it they have a kid but it's not Crosby's fault that they are living together you know like it was five years of not knowing that he existed they've just started dating what like four months ago like that's a lot of pressure to put like okay now you guys need to get married and be a family immediately like it's like I think this might be terrible advice perhaps they should be allowed to just work Mm -hmm. work through things without that added pressure yeah so there's that Agreed. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I want to backtrack just a little bit. Yeah. One other discussion. Crosby turns to Gabby of all people for advice 
on his parenting situation. Yeah, that was weird. Why is Crosby asking Gabby? She's I, ultra hot. I don't know. That's it. <laughs> I mean, like my my two cents on the situation was I don't think he's half assing his dad no. gig by letting Jabbar live at Renee's for four weeks. It's temporary, and it's what everyone. I mean, except Crosby at first, mm-hmm. but ultimately it's what everyone agreed was best for Jabbar. And at this particular moment in time, I think they are right. I think yeah. they arrived at the right sure. decision. Well, also he's just not being like a jerk who's beating a dead horse. Yeah. He was basically yeah. told this is what's happening. You don't have a say in this. So for him to be like, I'm not fighting for him. I'm like, no, no, you, you backed off when people said back off. Right. That's, that's different. Yeah. But maybe you're right about the mixed messages, like that you said earlier. You know, like that's part of it. Like Seku saying, you know, you guys were talking about this, how Seku was like, you can't be off the clock, but they right. told him to be. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yep. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. It was kind of funny the way he <laughs> just like propped his feet up on the couch, like she was a, a therapist, like yeah. a psychologist. And he's like, let yeah. me tell you my well, problems. Well, I'm like, is, is he, um, <laughs> just showing his ignorance like and he knows that she's a behavioral therapist so he just hears therapist and assumes he can talk to her like what he thinks of as a therapist right well yeah when he says is that some kind of therapy trick and she says kind of sorta I'm like yeah not the kind of therapy you do right. yeah no. <laughs> I'm like my dad did talk therapy that's who you would you go to a, psych- a licensed psychologist yeah. yes <laughs> I was just worried that they were being kind of flirty. Like, like well, yeah. it, when she said, Oh yeah. You know, if you're good, you get a sticker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me of when, um, Steve and Amber are first talking to each other mm. and you're like, danger, danger. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. You just, yeah. That's just, it seems like it's just tinged with, mm-hmm. with a little something, you know? And, yeah. well, and then, yeah. And then Gabby says that she thinks he'd be a great full-time dad. What the fuck is she? She doesn't know him. Oh, right. <laughs> her her two experiences with him are him making an awkward comment in the kitchen when they first met and driving his drunk ass over to the oops, sorry. <laughs> sorry <laughs> over to pick up his son. Yeah. Yep. Whatever. I did like the lactate reference. Yeah. Because he oh, right. is lactose <laughs> intolerant. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, that's a good callback. Yeah. About mm-hmm. that. Yeah. yeah. They forget about it sometimes too. I, yeah, I <laughs> he heard you guys pizza. call them out yeah. one time. Yeah. <laughs> That's us. So. Yeah. Well, I've been surprised up to now how clear most of the themes of the episode are. Like, I'm like, how did I ever miss them the first time around? Because they are often so like unified. Mm-hmm. This one to me though felt like maybe the least unified of them all so far. But I kind of liked that about it. I mean, themes are nice because they unite the the disparate storylines. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, it does show that like, hey, someone put in care and craft thought, in creating yeah. this episode. Yes. But it can sometimes feel a little pat, like mm-hmm. let's tie this episode up mm-hmm. with a little bow. You did mention a bunch of uh, apologies earlier, though. I did notice that because sure. I, I that being said, I did find two like if i was forced to write a paper about the <laughs> themes of this episode one was i i noticed this trend of apologies that hattie and christina crosby mm-hmm. and renee and drew and sarah and i also liked that they all had the person receiving the apology granting the other person grace you know like mm-hmm. drew apologizes and sarah says it's okay yeah yeah and hattie apologizes and asks for help and christina says i will help you not 
yeah, that's right. You need me on your speech, you know? (laughs) And Renee basically says, I got your back. I'm not going to rat you out. Mm -hmm. The other one, if I had to say, I'd probably go with giving your kids or your family members room to figure things out for themselves. Like Mm -hmm. I said before, Mm -hmm. like making their own mistakes. Christina does that with Hattie. Sarah does that with Drew. This is so tiny, but like Jabbar wants to tie his own shoes at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Crosby lets him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Renee and Seku don't rat out Crosby. They let mm-hmm. him figure that out. Joel looks to advice from Julia and from Zeke. Yep. But then he figures the wood thing out on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jasmine doesn't seem to have gotten a talking to from Renee or Crosby. It seems like she arrived at that by herself. Yeah. And then at the end, Hattie slips in that she wrote her speech five minutes before she gave it. Yeah. We were talking about that. All the input that Amber and Christina and Sarah had. And then she just did it on her own. And then this is really reaching, I think, but Adam and Christina were moving mountains to have a planned date night. But in in the end, they only end up getting it when they kind of just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Which doesn't feel very realistic, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it does that you have to just sort of carve out like time whenever yes. it presents itself. Totally. Like, totally. I could see, I could see we've probably had times like that, right? Where Eating cake in someone's driveway. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Where it didn't quite happen how we thought. Oh, but, for sure. But it worked out anyways. Yeah, no, actually. That kind of reminds me of our recent flood. Our basement flooded. Oh, no. And this night was not intended to be a date night at all, but we were cleaning up the flood and cleaning up, you know, everything that had gotten wet and laying it out to dry. And the kids went to go spend the night at Shane's parents'. So we just happened to have a night to ourselves, and it was like, oh, no. oh, and we'll then you put a little it. gondola in the basement, <laughs> yeah. yeah, rode around, <laughs> yeah. and Shane sang you arias. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> take what you can get. <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess by our definition earlier of when you know the kids go somewhere else, it thus became a date night. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that Although I'm sweet. still sorry about your basement. Oh, it's fine. Oh, it's it's fine. fine now. Yeah. <laughs> The, the joys of home ownership. Yeah. <laughs> well, what did you guys think of the episode? I blathered on about. You never blathered. It was, it was a good one. I thought there was, there was a lot of um, like moments adding to problems that we knew, right. Mm-hmm. Things that just kept spiraling, which I always like, it just kind of adds to the story and what's going on with the whole series. So I liked it. Yeah, like I said before, we've watched so many episodes over the last week. They're all kind of running together in my mind. But (laughs) I don't know. I just feel like as a whole, like rewatching the show, I'm really enjoying like, like Alicia said, it's like a feel good, you know, warm your heart kind of show. But I had also forgotten like how funny some of it can be. It's much funnier than I remember. yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And I don't I mean, this this episode in particular didn't have too many moments like that but you know just in general that's been a fun aspect of the show Mm -hmm. revisiting and even like some of it now I think I'm finding funny that I didn't find funny previously or maybe not as funny like you know a lot of time like you know when Adam first met Steve and did the whole was up thing like I was laughing about that for like three days I was just like walking around the house like saying it to Alicia so yeah yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun to revisit. Oh, that's great. 
Well, thank you so much. This this was so much fun. I really enjoyed having yes. you both. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having it us. It was a blast. <laughs> we hope you have many date nights in your future. <laughs> <laughs> us too. Let's do it. <laughs> we, we actually just scheduled one for two weeks from now. So we we'll did. be good. Yes. Yeah, we, we have to plan Success. it out two weeks in advance. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, next week was just crazy, you know. So. I yeah. know, yeah. yeah. We had to bump it back. <laughs> had to bump it back. <laughs> Go to a taco and margarita place, you know? Yes. <laughs> Swanky crab. Yes. <laughs> Stanky crab. <laughs> There's another Monica Potterism. Oh, yeah. And of course, I looked up every restaurant they referenced to see if any of them are actually in Berkeley. They're not. Uh, <laughs> that's a shame. At least I didn't find them quickly. I didn't spend too much time hunting for them. <laughs> I expect by the end of this podcast series, you have a detailed map of Berkeley created with all of the yes. key locations highlighted and pinned. It is yeah. my dream. I'll just, I'm going to secret this. It is my dream that before this podcast is done, we can gather in spaces again. And Melissa and I do like a live show from Berkeley. Oh, I would love that. Would that be awesome. so much. That would be so great. Hopefully that will happen. I hope so. But that means we need a large audience. So listeners, you got to spread the word. That's <laughs> right. So that's a nice segue too. That's a theme of this particular episode. Full house references and nice segues. Um. <laughs> hey, maybe when we're in Berkeley, we can hop on over to San Francisco. And do a yes. Everywhere you look. Um, so That's where we'll be. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, light is waiting to carry you home. Anyway, please yes. like us on Facebook, Parenthood Pals, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can find all of our info and everything you can ever want pertaining to the Parenthood Pals <laughs> at ParenthoodPals.com. Yay. Thank you again, Shane and Alicia. Oh, thank you, thank guys. You. It was fun. It was fun. All right. Well, I think that'll that'll do it. Thank you again yeah. awesome. so much. Awesome. Thanks. Guys. And thank you all at home for listening. Until next time, may God bless and keep you always. And may your wishes all come true. <laughs>